Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's time to wake up. It's five, and we're live. Oh, is this thing on? I don't care. I want him to hear. This is the pregame show. Your early morning shot of sports on 95.7. The game. Come on! Yes, sir. Good morning, family. Stephen Langford in with you. Hope you had a terrific weekend. So what happened? What what happened in sports over the weekend? Because I'm not going to lie to you. I was getting notifications on my phone. Giving me updates on everything that was going on. I was in the mountains for the past couple of days for a wedding. Didn't have any service. And it was one of the craziest weekends that you can imagine in Giants baseball. And I just, I couldn't believe it. Got home yesterday. Made sure to try and watch everything. And holy crap. I would use another word if the FCC wasn't monitoring this thing. The hell happened over the weekend? Good morning, everybody. Look, we got a lot to get into. Uh, the Giants, big weekend against the Brewers. They lose on the Thursday night. You're thinking, oh, man, what's going to go on in this four-game series? And then they end up winning the next three, and the games on Friday and Saturday were won in a certain type of fashion that is going to be a rarity in any series. I don't think you're going to see anything like it again, at least with these two games combined back-to-back with how they ended. Just insanity. So we are going to get into that, give you a little recap of what went on over the weekend, because I'm not going to lie, I got chills. I got chills watching what happened with the Giants. So we'll get to that. The Home Run Derby is tonight, and on Friday, we did a little uh, a special edition of Langford's Long Balls. Normally, choose my five favorite home runs of the week, but instead, I had a little rundown of the biggest home runs for the Home Run Derby participants, and today, going to go through some of the best Home Run Derby moments in baseball history. So, we got plenty to get into today, and also... 
a name has been made available coming up to the trade deadline. And I think a lot of you who have listened to this show, at least from 5 to 5.30, when you're up early and you're listening to this one, you know my stance on the Giants and what they should do at the trade deadline. But there is a caveat. There was a caveat because I didn't know that this player was going to be available. I thought that he was going to be just staying with the particular team that he's with. And I will get to that later on in the show. That's the longest tease ever. But nevertheless, let's get to it. What happened over the weekend? Because <laughs> here's how it went. I'm just gonna look. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna give you the personal story of how this weekend went for me. So it was again in the mountains in Pescadero over near Half Moon Bay for a wedding. Fantastic wedding. Everything was awesome. Right. Shout out to Tommy and Rachel. So was in the mountains. Didn't really have any service. You know, the phone was doing the thing where you could receive text messages, you could, you know, maybe receive a notification every now and then if you get to the right spot, but sending anything, yeah, good luck. And trying to watch anything, also, good luck. Wasn't able to do that. There could have been a Wi-Fi hotspot that I went to, but didn't think about going to that because I was was too busy doing other stuff. So, I get the notification on Friday that Mike Yastrzemski had walked things off with a grand slam. Now, let's get to it, because that game, leading up to the bottom of the ninth inning, they were down 5-3, to three, and they bring in the Brewers, that is. They bring in Josh Hader. Josh Hader, one of the best closers in the game. Him and Devin Williams are just a one-two punch that you don't want to mess with. And... Hater, this season now is 0-4 with a 4.5 ERA, which is just crazy. But the Brewers had a big inning in the fifth. They had a big five-run inning, and it was 5-2 because the Giants had the two-run inning in the second. And in the bottom of the ninth, after there were no runs scored in the game, let's just get to it. Joey Bart kicks things off with a solo shot. Bart hits a high drive to left. He got this one out of here. He's feeling it. So that was how things kicked off. 1-0 count. Crushes it to left. Wilmore Flores comes up to bat. He flies out to center. And then Darren Ruff comes to the plate. And on a 1-1 count... Hader yet again makes a mistaken location and leaves a breaking ball up for Darren Ruff, and he crushes this one when it was only 88 miles an hour coming to him at the plate. Ruff hits a drive. Deep left center field. Out of here. Hader gives up a pair. So shout out to Darren Ruff. Makes it a 5-4 ball game. Then Austin Slater gets on base, first pitch single. <laughs> it's actually, you know, I could, I'm, I'm not going to lie, I was thinking about this too. Ever since that series against the Tigers where Gabe Kapler had benched uh, Jock Peterson, benched Jock Peterson to bring in Austin Slater, and then, you know, trying to get that lefty-on-righty matchup, brings in Austin Slater in the sixth, and then in the following inning when the Giants have an opportunity to possibly take the lead in the game the following in the seventh (laughs) Austin Slater's up against a right-hander and he doesn't get on he strikes out innings over and then the Giants end up losing that game I was on here just 
crushing Gabe Kapler for pinch-hitting jock in that situation. you got to leave your all-star in there. But really, ever since then, the righty-on-lefty matchup, or lefty-on-righty, depending on however way you slice it, the right-handed batter against the left-handed pitcher, that matchup has just been, for the Giants, it's been unstoppable. Really, it feels like any left-hander that they're going against, they're getting to them, especially with the right-handed batters. So, Joey Bart, Darren Ruff, Austin Slater, all those guys getting off base. Then, luckily, Austin Slater, even though in this game he got uh, picked off at first, at least he could have been picked off. Instead, he goes to second, and it was a poor throw. He could have been called out, could have changed the complexity, the entire complexity of the game. I think it was one of the biggest plays of that game with the way that uh, with the way that he played it. Luckily, he slid under the tag, got under there, and was safe. Your mean Mercedes ended up working a full count and gets hit by a pitch, 98 miles an hour, right into the left side, which just looks like it hurts like a B word. And then. Tyro Estrada gets on with a with a single with a little bloop on a one one count, and then you felt like it was the Giants' night. And then Mike Yastrzemski with the bases loaded. I'm going back to last season with that comeback win against the Diamondbacks, where Mike Yastrzemski hit the walk off grand slam and hit it into the water. Well, Mike Yastrzemski, when the Giants were down one, all he needed was a base hit. And he got all of the first pitch in the at-bat. Great speed at third with Slater. High drive in the center field. Davis on the move. It is on And this game is over. Now credit to NBC Sports Bay Area for all of the audio from that night on Friday night. So it ends with the walk-off Grand Slam. I couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe that I missed it live. Like, out of all the times for me to not have any sort of cell service, <laughs> like, like, you know, we've been planning this trip for a while now, so, it, you know, it, you know, all the, 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 the plans, they, they follow, we follow through with them, nothing's going wrong, but then I'm seeing the Giants are having one of the craziest weekends of the year. It started with that walk-off Grand Slam, then you follow it up with the next day, because I actually do want to go back to something uh, from that game on Friday night, because Mike Yastrzemski revealed something after the game, and it had to do with, uh, with Joey Bart, so I do want to get to that in just a second, but you fast forward to the 16th, and it was a pitcher's duel. Alex Cobb was awesome. Just awesome. Like, Alex Cobb was doing what we all thought that he could do, just a total ground ball pitcher, seven and a third, only gave up four hits. He struck out five. He kept the Giants in this game the entire time. Eric Lauer, on the other hand, on the Brewers, he also gave him seven strong, only gave up the uh, the home run to Darren Ruff earlier on in the sixth inning, and Ruff absolutely crushed it. I don't I don't understand why any pitcher decides to leave a ball up against Darren Ruff, and I don't even know if that's at their decision. I guess he's just getting lucky with mistake pitches, but he's taking advantage of every single one of them. So shout out to Darren Ruff. But the game is tied one one, and then Mike Yastrzemski again comes in with the bases loaded in the eighth inning, but. The run is scored in a different fashion than a Grand Slam home run. Is that a balk? They just call the balk against Gustave, and the Giants will take the lead. Uh, I mean, a Pat 
Holberg was fairly wow. definitive that, about yeah. it. Gustave was looking around like, what do you mean? And Joey Bart also had the big strike him out, throw him out at third, double play in the previous inning to keep the Giants in this thing. So huge play on defense by Joey Bart, but that balk. How often does a balk happen? Credit to Fox for the audio. It was a national game on Saturday afternoon. How often have you seen that? Some of the craziest endings I've seen to a game, one that doesn't get a lot of uh, a lot of notoriety, and I don't know why, it was when the A's and the Angels were playing and Francisco Rodriguez was the closer. He was K-Rod at the time. You know, in the middle of being the best closer in baseball, nobody could stop Francisco Rodriguez. That dude was getting 50-plus saves, and he was just awesome. But there was a there was a moment where it was the bases loaded and K Rod pitches a uh, he he throws a ball which he thought was a strike and he was super frustrated by the call and then when the ball is thrown back to him well he ends up dropping it the bases were loaded then Jason Kendall steals home and it gives him the win in the bottom of the ninth I actually think that was on a that was on a Mother's Day if I'm not mistaken so. You know, you have endings like that that are crazy, but the walk-off, the, it's not even a walk-off balk because it happened in the eighth inning, but a balk to give the Giants the lead, it's just unheard of. And, and, and clearly, he was making a motion toward home plate, and the, the home plate umpire was adamant that it was a balk, so, you know... I'll, I'll take his word for it, and then Dom Leone uh, closes things out. Got a little hairy there. Got a little hairy. You did have a runner on because there was a leadoff single by Willie Adamas, but he got Rowdy Telez to pop out. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon ends up getting a ground out. Willie Adamas goes to third. Then Colton Wong with a 1-2 count ends up striking out. Um, there was a lot that happened yesterday. And then yesterday, you had the, or over the weekend, excuse me, and then yesterday, well, you had the hit parade for the Giants in which they won 9-5, to and Lamont Wade just absolutely crushed one into the cove. Is that a water shot? That's a water shot. Insanity. Insanity. And the Giants come away winning three of four. So that's your little weekend recap to start off the show. But coming up next, there was something that happened on Friday night's game, which I personally loved hearing. I didn't see it, but apparently Joey Bart had given some sort of pregame pump up in the sixth inning, or did he? I want to get to that next. And also... A player is available at the deadline. Thought he wasn't going to be. It was back and forth throughout the season on whether this player would be traded at the deadline. And this player is named Juan Soto. All right, coming up next. That's That's all coming up. Plus, we got... The special edition of Langford's Long Balls, except I'm just going to play the best home run derby moments. It's not really a Langford's Long Ball segment, but I'm going to call it that anyways because that's the home run segment that I do every Friday. So we'll get to all that throughout the show. Going to be a fun one here on a Monday. Stephen Langford in on a 95.7 The Game. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. (laughs) 
Stephen Langford in with you as the big voice guy said. Good morning, everyone. Hope you had a terrific weekend. And if you were not a part of that first segment, that's fine. I understand you're just waking up. Got to get your morning coffee. Oh, man, you reused a coffee pod by accident? Have to put in a new one? Tough start to the Monday. You ever had that happen? <laughs> I've done that a couple of times, and I'm just like, damn it. You ever ha- you ever tried that coffee, too, when you accidentally reused a pod? Not good. Not good. Didn't happen to me this morning. This morning, got the new pod. All good. Just fine. But boy, reused coffee pod coffee? No bueno. So, there was a lot that happened over the weekend, and if you weren't a part of that first segment, I was not in any uh, location with cell service on Friday nor Saturday. I was out of town for the weekend. And on Friday, when I get the notification, Mike Yastrzemski hits a walk-off Grand Slam in historic comeback win. I'm thinking, damn. Can't believe I missed that one. So I'm already thinking about that. Then on Saturday, I get the other notification that Mike Yastrzemski scores, or excuse me, Mike Yastrzemski is up to the plate with the bases loaded, and there's a balk. Like, what the hell, man? Yesterday, I managed to, managed to tune in, and, you know, I love the uh, the San Francisco Sea Lions jer- uh, jerseys that the, that the Giants were rocking, of course, from the Negro Leagues, and it was African American Heritage Day over at the ballpark, so they were wearing the San Francisco Sea Lions uniforms. I loved the orange outline. In the seams, I loved that look. Personal, I, I really did. Except the only problem with it, it was the, uh, the 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 same type of thing with the City Connect jerseys from the first season. But they still use the same helmets. If they would have gotten just like the really navy, the the dark navy blue helmet with no logo on it, I think that really would have completed it. But that's just me. But they managed to take three of four from the Brewers. Now Friday night. I want to go back to that on Friday night because, you know what, first off, let's just play the highlight one more time from NBC Sports Bay Area. Get ourselves, it gives ourselves a little refresher to what happened. So Joey Bart kicks things off with a home run to make it 5-3 as it's a 5-2 game. Darren Ruff hits another home run to make it 5-4. And then Austin Slater gets on base. Tyro Estrada gets on base. And you have the bases loaded because your mean Mercedes also gets hit by a pitch. And Mike Yastrzemski walks things off with a grand slam. Great speed at third with Slater. Insanity. Absolute insanity. Now, I really, like this series, I'm not going to say it's, you know, a, a season-saving series, but it's certainly one that I think has, it's saved the season in this sense. It has kept the interest going with Giants fans. I'm telling it's so similar to 2019, where in 2019, I think they were on a, uh, they went on like a seven-game winning streak, and then they ended up losing the next game. But then they won the next two, so really they'd won nine out of the ten. 
and going into that trade deadline, that was the year with Madison Bumgarner. Should they deal him? Should they not deal him? I remember there was a sound clip from Tim Flannery, who was on pre and post that season, going up to the deadline, and they say that they owe it to Madison Bumgarner to trade him because if they're just going to let him walk in free agency, then there's a chance that he's uh, not going to assign as big of a contract as they did. But, you know, nevertheless, he did sign one with the Diamondbacks, a pretty hefty one. Uh, but it reminds me of 2019, going back to that. Now, I don't know what they're going to do at the trade deadline, and there was an update regarding a player, but going back to Friday, Mike Yastrzemski, after the game, talked about some leadership going on within the dugout. And that leadership coming from Joey Bart in the sixth inning? I got to give a lot of credit to Joey because in the sixth inning, he, he kind of like snapped. It wasn't to, it wasn't to anyone, but it was kind of to himself. And he's like, guys, we're down three runs. Like we got to be aggressive. Let's go. We're not down by 15. And for a guy who is as young as he is, and he showed a lot of maturity and kind of showed up right there in the ninth and let it off for us. And so a lot of credit goes to him for keeping that mindset. With the injury to Casale, when Joey's come back now, have you seen that maturity and him kind of resetting a little bit with his time in Sacramento? I think we're seeing Joey Bart you know he's an unbelievable player and you know sometimes the game speeds up on you and he had a he had a little bit to kind of slow it down for himself and he's looked great so far and we're really happy to have him back so ever since Joey Bart's come back he's batting 276 on 32 plate appearances he's had a couple of home runs five RBIs he has had 12 strikeouts so you need those to be cleared up compared to three walks but nevertheless he's been getting on base more and more and and you know he just looks comfortable at the plate obviously had a big weekend in terms of defense you know he had the strike him out throw him out play a third where he goes on one knee bing bang boom out of the inning, gives the Giants a chance, and that ended up leading to the uh, walk, or not the walk, I keep wanting to call it a walk-off balk. Sounds so much cooler when it's a walk-off balk, but the balk to give them the go-ahead lead uh, in the eighth inning uh, on Saturday. But when it comes to Joey Bart's leadership, he may not have been speaking to the team, and that's actually what Joey Bart said, because Joey Bart responded to Mike Yastrzemski when he was asked about it in the locker room. No, I didn't say anything. I don't even know where that's coming from. I, I mean, I, to be honest, I said something to Kurt, like, just between me and him, like, hey, like, we got to get going, you know, we got to get, and, you know, as a young player, I don't feel like it's my role, you know, to speak out. That's just kind of how I was feeling at the time, like, hey... It's not over yet, you know. Let's keep going. Let's find a way to win, and and magic happen for sure. Look, this team, it doesn't have a vocal leader. You know, Brandon Belt is the captain, but really, the more and more that we that that I think about it, it, he's not really the captain of the team. It's more so just satire. He has a dry sense of humor, and I don't think he's really the captain because the captain would be acting, you know, the way Hunter Pence did in the uh, in the playoffs. By the way, there was an awesome moment over the weekend with the celebrity softball game and Hunter Pence down in L.A. I do want to play that on the other side. So, uh, thinking of Hunter Pence, that actually uh, has me forward promoting here. So, coming up in the next segment, there's going to be a lot of the best home run derby moments, but there was also something in the celebrity all star all star softball game over the weekend too from Hunter Pence but we'll get to that in the next segment he just the, the name triggered it so in terms of leadership though they do not have that loud guy in the locker room they just don't 
And if Joey Bart wants to turn into that guy, he says it's not his position on the team as a younger player to be the leader. But, hey man, go ahead. Like, who cares if you're a younger player in that dugout? They need something that's a spark. You know, Brandon Crawford said, I mean, Dave Fleming was on with the Morning Roast a couple of weeks ago, and, you know, he said he was speaking with Brandon Crawford, and Crawford said, well, you know what, it's not just one person that needs to, you know, give us a pump-up speech, it's also getting it done on offense, and that might be true in terms of, you know, just getting the offense back up to speed, but in a game... When you're down in that fashion on the Saturday after losing the first, or excuse me, on the Friday after losing the game on the Thursday, and you are down five to two after that big five run inning for the Brewers, when you've had a two nothing lead the entire game, like you need somebody to say something. Like teams don't work when there is not a vocal leader on the team. Every single successful team has a guy like that. You know, you go to the Warriors, Steph and Clay aren't necessarily the vocal leaders, although Steph has kind of grown more into that as the time's gone on. I mean, remember that stretch in the season when they had an eight-game winning streak after he kicked a chair in frustration? Anybody remember that? So we've seen it with Steph before, but really we know that Dre is the vocal leader. You know, to, uh, to the point where, you know, sometimes he crosses the line. So there's a little bit of a risk there. But nevertheless, vocal leader. The Celtics, for example, they had their vocal leader with Marcus Smart. Like that was their guy who helped them get to where they to help them get to where they were. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown weren't necessarily those guys. You know, the Grizzlies, I don't know who their vocal leader is, maybe John Morant, and I keep on going to basketball, but when you think about it in baseball, there's plenty of them all over. So if Joey Bart wants to be that guy, be that guy, man. Don't worry about being a younger player. You know, like you're supposed to be the leader on this team in the future. Being that early round second overall pick back in 2018, you're going to be one of those guys, Joey, and if this is the start of that, then that's great. But it also sounded like he was, <laughs> I mean, the way that Yastrzemski put it, he says, oh yeah, Joey Bart was uh, not necessarily yelling directly at anybody, but he was just talking to himself, and then Joey Bart's like, yeah, I was just talking to Kurt Casale. I mean, he must have been he must have been yelling or at least enunciating his words. I don't know what it was, but I think that also goes to show how quiet that dugout was if you're able to hear a guy who's just talking to a teammate. So... If Joey Bart can be that leader, then that's great. That's great. But will Joey Bart still be with the team when it comes to the trade deadline? Because there was a name that has been brought back, kind of like The Undertaker. You know, that Undertaker gif where he's laying in the coffin next to the ring and then all of a sudden gets up. It's the one that everybody uses. Well... That's what the rumors were for Juan Soto with the Nationals, because I thought they were dead. I'd been talking about the trade deadline as if those rumors were dead, but they are very much alive. Another Harry Potter reference, two days in a row with the Harry Potter reference. 888-957-9570. That's the Comcast business text line and the phone number. For a name like Juan Soto, do you give up? As much as they want, because according to Jeff Passan, they want 
a Herschel Walker type of deal. So we'll get to all the details on the other side, plus the greatest moments in home run derby history. We got quite a few, and I'm really looking forward to tonight's home run derby. So we'll get to all that on the other side. Stephen Langford in on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. Do the Giants trade for Juan Soto? 888-957-9570. Comcast business text line. It's also the phone number from the 925. This was actually texted in earlier on in the show. I could save you the time. The Giants will not get Juan Soto. Maybe the Dodgers, but the Giants will never pay that money. They'll be rumored to be, quote-unquote, in the running, though. That's from the 925. Then from the 408. Do not trade for Soto. He's going to sign with the Dodgers because Trey Turner is his best friend. And then for the 510, reusing a coffee pod is horrific. Oh, We've all been through that, right? Anybody who actually uses the coffee pods for the coffee makers? If you reuse a coffee pod, you ever had that coffee before? It's awful. <laughs> Terrible. Any, any sort of synonymous adjective with those. Like, I mean, ugh. Gruesome. Gruesome coffee is what it is. Reusing coffee pods. You know what? This, this had me, this just made me think of something. Because I do want to get to Juan Soto and the details here because there was a lot of reporting going on over the weekend, so I do want to get the latest. Plus, we got the greatest home run derby moments in history coming up. I'm going to do that in about 10 minutes. There's been a lot of fun ones lately, especially since they made the change to the timed home run derbies as opposed to the 10-out home run derbies. But there's been a lot of fun moments, and going down memory lane with that, uh, just awesome. But, you know, this reused coffee pod thing, it makes me think of all these pranks that people do. And I saw a prank on Instagram recently, and it's just some high school kid who's, you know, just trying to get attention and does it by pranking his family and friends. It's just a... Yeah, the worst type of social media influencers uh, around there. I had air quotes going on, like like Doctor Evil influencers. Like it's just the, the the worst kind. I can't stand them, right? But there was one that just popped up on my feed, and you know the TikTok voice came up. That super annoying TikTok voice, by the way. Can't stand a TikTok narrator. You know, I I don't know if it's like a robot or if it's an actual person because you'll you'll be surprised at how many of those apps and stuff. You'll be surprised at how many of them use real people to voice over those things. But the TikTok narrator voice, and I'm going to do my best impression here. Switching out orange juice for mac and cheese. <laughs> so bad. But they had a gallon of orange juice in the fridge. And the prankster, the social media influencer prankster, empties out the orange juice gallon and then instead fills it with water and then mixes it with the Kraft mac and cheese dust, (laughs) The, the, the seasoning, whatever you want to call it, and... He swirled it, swirled it around. It looks like orange juice. And then 
you know, the dad tries it and the dad gets really mad. Oh, everything's so funny. But I feel like reused coffee pots can be like an absolute, uh, like a like a total prank. You just fill an entire box up and say, "Yeah, I got these used. I got these new coffee pods." Then you end up just refilling them all with uh, used ones, and somehow the other person who's receiving the coffee isn't the one who's making it, and you make it for them, and then you just give them reused coffee pod coffee. Nothing worse than that. I didn't do that this morning. I didn't do that. I've done it before. Didn't do that this morning. Just had to casually mention that if you did on this Monday morning, and that's how your week week got started, and I'm sorry. But nevertheless, let's get back to sports. So, Juan Soto. Like, I've been talking about the trade deadline here for a while, and you've if you've heard this show, you've heard me say any time that the trade deadline comes up, you know, Giants, should they be buyers, should they be sellers? I've personally been on the end of they need to either stand pat or be sellers at the deadline. Although, I don't know what being a seller would really do because what do you have right now you know you you don't really have a lot that could net you some sort of you know top prospect right you you don't have that i mean you get you can maybe trade a, a player away and then possibly you know get a sean anderson for lamont wade from the twins type of deal you could get that. You could be trying to trade guys away uh, to get their contracts off the books, kind of like Mark Melanson. But other than that, they wouldn't be buyers at the deadline because the only thing that they'd be buying would be a rental. And really, what's the point of buying a rental if your team is not going to be a team with championship caliber, even with the rental that's there? And is there really a player that's worth it just to rent for the season and then subsequently letting them go in free agency. Is there really someone worth that? No. I mean, Wilson Contreras has been the the guy that a lot of people have talked about, the catcher from the Cubs. But I don't personally think that'd be worth it. Um, You know, just stick with Joey Bart, see what he can do for the rest of the season. He's looking more comfortable defensively at the plate. He's batted 276 ever since he's been called up. So he's just been much, much better. So I say just keep it going with Joey Bart. Once Kirk Casale comes back, then you can go with those two guys. I think I, I think that's the way to go from ca- as far as catcher. So other than that, I never really thought that a rental uh, was needed for the Giants. But all of this was being talked about as I thought that Juan Soto was not going to be up to up for trade. Juan Soto, 23-year-old superstar from the Nationals. You know him. You love him. He's going to be participating in the Home Run Derby tonight. Can't wait to see him for that. And again, best Home Run Derby moments coming up in a few minutes here. But Jeff Passan did the reporting on this, and I can't believe it, but Juan Soto rejected a 15-year deal worth $440 million and I need to, I, I need to make sure I get the uh, I need to make sure I get those numbers right and just double check because there's been a lot of numbers that have been thrown around 440 million is the total yep 15 years 15 years I had to check that I, I had to triple check that because 15 years what the hell 15 years and he rejected it now if you're telling me at the deadline that you're going to be, you know, trading away for a rental, no, nah, I'm good. I don't need a rental for this team this year. Just see what they got for the rest of the season. You know, if they make a wild card spot, great. 
I don't know how far they can really go in the playoffs. But if a guy who can be your franchise player is up on the is is on the table, is he worth making the trade for? Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero four zero eight. I get it. He's going to the Dodgers. Okay, <laughs> fine. <laughs> That's all right. Okay, I get it. Four zero eight. Sheesh. Him and Trey Turner are best friends. Fine. <laughs> That's all right. From the 510. Should the Giants trade for Soto? Yes, but will they? No, that's not what Farhan does. He is cheap and only spent money with the Dodgers because that's what the Dodgers do. So, Giants fans, enjoy that win streak and be ready for a boring and losing second half of the season. Why'd you have to throw that in there? Could have just, you know, could have just answered my question, 510. Sheesh. Um, 15 years, $440 million rejected. And. Jeff Passan of ESPN. We all know Jeff Passan. He's like the Adam Schefter and the Adrian Wojnarowski of baseball, except people actually like him. <laughs> but Jeff Passan, like, I don't know if anybody's seen this stuff. That's been you've heard about this stuff with Woj for uh, for for a couple of years now. But there's just stuff with Adam Schefter where you know he's not very well liked amongst. Co-workers. Anyway, nevertheless. Uh, Jeff Passan. He said that conversations between Juan Soto and the Nationals reached a point where Washington could be inclined to deal him. And yet the lingering question will be, can you really trade a player as good as Soto in his age 23 season? We will see. Front offices are already having the conversations. What is it going to take? to acquire Juan Soto in the wake of him turning down a 15-year, $440 million contract offer from the Nationals? And the answer is, the biggest trade package ever. One GM said, quote, a Herschel Walker type of deal. Now, just to give you some insight into what the Herschel Walker deal was, this was between the Cowboys and the Vikings in 1989. And I'm going to read all these. <laughs> and you know what? Actually, I'm not even going to read the players' names. Or how how should I set this up? Because there are so many damn players that are involved in this. There are 18 players involved in this, uh, including Herschel Walker. And the Chargers were a third team that were involved. Um, all right, how should I go about this? So to the Cowboys, I, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. Prior to this segment, I'm like, all right, this is going to be a cakewalk. But now as I'm doing the segment live, I'm realizing this could get complicated. But I'm going to try my best here, all right? So just be patient with me. To the Vikings goes Herschel Walker, Dallas's third round pick in 1990, San Diego's fifth round pick in 1990, Dallas's tenth round pick in 1990, then the third round pick in 1991. So a third, a fifth, and a tenth in 1990, then a third in 1991 along with Herschel Walker. And that would go to the Dallas Cowboys. Or excuse me, that would go to the Minnesota Vikings and to the Cowboys. Linebacker Jesse Solomon, linebacker David Howard, cornerback Isaac Holt, and defensive end Alex Stewart. So there are four players that are involved in it, but there are also eight draft picks that could be netted by the Cowboys in return, and those eight draft picks were all conditional on those players, those four players that I listed, either getting cut or getting traded. So you got... A first-rounder, a second-rounder, and a sixth-rounder in 1990. You got a first-rounder and a second-rounder in 91. Then a first-rounder, a second-rounder, and a third-rounder in 1992. Now, 
If anybody knows the story of this trade, and anyone understands the Cowboys, that team would go on to win three more Super Bowls. <laughs> three Super Bowls with Jimmy Johnson and all of those draft picks by trading away Herschel Walker. So that's the type of deal that we're looking at here. Eight draft picks, three first-rounders, three second-rounders, a third-rounder, and then a sixth-rounder, all within the span of three years. That's a huge deal. Now, if you're talking prospects for the Giants, they do have the prospects. Their best team in the organization right now is the double-A team. The high A slash double A team. You got the Eugene Emeralds, who are the high A team, and then you got the Flying Squirrels, who are the double A team. Those two teams are the best in the organization right now. I think that double A team won their division earlier on in this uh, in the season. They'd already they'd already clinched it. Or I don't even know how it works within double A. It's a it's a weird system that they have going on over there. But you'd have to think that a lot of these stars would have to be traded away for Juan Soto. Now, if I'm seeing a Herschel Walker type of deal, you'd probably have to throw in some of the players on this team, too. If it means getting Juan Soto, I say do it. I say do it. A franchise guy like that does not come around very often, and I know the Giants don't spend that money. They're not known for spending their money like that. But if they can, I think they go after him. I think they should. He's already proven that he can be one of those types, you know, like a like a Miguel Cabrera or, you know, like an A-Rod, a Ken Griffey, those types of guys who come into the league at a very young age and just have that it factor. Juan Soto has that. And if you could trade for a guy like that and you could pay him what he wants, and, and let's keep in mind here, that doesn't always have to be the market that's set, $440 million. You know, it could be a little less than that with a little f- with fewer years on the deal. You never know. But there's a lot of guarantees that come along with it, as baseball is fully guaranteed. Whew. I think it'd be worth it. Personally, I think that'd be worth it because the Giants need something here. And there was a text that I got earlier on, which said that if you trade for Juan Soto, then you just turn into the Washington Nationals. Well, the thing is, the Giants have so many guys up and coming from the minor leagues. Plus, you're going to have free agents who want to come here. There is no salary cap, and the Giants could turn into this team that spends from here on out. Now, granted, it's probably not going to happen. It, it Probably not. You know, the Yankees, the Mets, the Dodgers, they're all talked about to be in the running for this guy. And I think every single team is going to want a guy like Juan Soto. I mean, who wouldn't want a 23-year-old phenom? Who wouldn't want that guy? You know, his shuffling at the plate, the way that he takes pitches. He's got an unbelievable discipline about him at the plate. But if you can get that, you do it, I think. They probably won't because that's what the Giants are known for. And it would flip your entire team and pretty much take <laughs> it pretty much take all of the plans that Farhan has made throughout this throughout these years. Because look, Farhan's a calculated individual. He doesn't just you know draft guys and make moves just to make them. Like Farhan has a plan. And I don't I don't know if that plan involves trading away 
what they've tried to build for a singular player. I personally want them to do it. Are they going to? No. And from the 209, Langford, it's Scott Boris. You are absolutely right on that. Beyond greedy and fleecing fools on a regular. From the 925, why would free agents want to come here? And then from the 510, any seasoned Giants fan knows not to get too excited over free agent talk. The last big free agent they signed was Barry Lamar Bonds. Well, he's not a free agent, though. Could be had at the deadline here. Like, that's the that's what we're talking about. Could be had at the deadline because if he's... Whew, you bring him to free agency, gosh, the negotiations are going to be nuts. Now, there's a real chance that it just... There, there really is a chance... 510, or excuse me, where was it? 209, wherever it is. 510, that he just does become a free agent. You know, they let him walk. There's a very real chance of that. So, I mean, he just, you know, nobody nobody makes any moves at the deadline. They feel like it's too much to trade for him. Kind of like the same thing with Kevin Durant. Right now, other teams are feeling that what the Nets want for him is way too much. It could be that sort of scenario where they stick around, except, you know, Kevin Durant hasn't even honored any of the contract yet. Uh, Juan Soto getting that big contract after all the years of service time with the big league club, so it's a little different in that in in, in that in that aspect. But whoo, if the Giants made this move, that'd be wild. I don't think it's going to happen. I'd like it to happen, and I, I'm excited for a lot of these younger players. I can't wait for Marco Luciano. I can't wait for. Vaughn Brown. If anybody, if you don't know who Vaughn Brown is and you're a Giants fan, go watch the Eugene Emeralds. Go look up their Twitter page. Go on social media and check out Vaughn Brown. He's got a mustache. He rocks stirrups and he hits like 340 while also hitting bombs. Plus, he's really quick on the base pass. He's a five tool player. So, Vaughn Brown, a name that you should get to know now. I love all those guys and can't wait for him. But if that means that you have to trade one of these guys away, a few of these guys away in order to get. Juan Soto, then do it. I don't know if it's going to be a Herschel Walker type trade because that's football and football's a little different. And you you know you can't trade the uh, the draft picks as of right now. And shout out to the uh, uh, to the Giants for the draft yesterday. It shows a guy who is going to be a pitcher, but also. Wants to play first base as well. Reggie Crawford picked thirtieth in the draft last night, so we'll see what happens there. But if you can get Juan Soto, I think you do it. I think you do it. And from the four one five, you're right. Getting Soto is the opposite of Farhan's money ball. All of these things are valid that everybody is saying. All of them are valid. Just saying. I wouldn't mind Juan Soto, and if it doesn't happen, you know what? I won't be too disappointed because if your expectation is that the Giants are just going to make one of, if not the biggest trade in baseball history for this guy, because this is unprecedented. You can look back at any trades that you want, but none of these players were going to be superstars and traded away at the age of 23 after six years of service time. Like That's just not how it works in baseball. If they're not a part of the biggest blockbuster trade, I'll be fine. I'll be okay. We just have to be patient. That's just it as Giants fans. But you know what? Over the weekend, winning three or four against the Brewers, whew, that was a whole lot of fun. All right, let's close things out. We got the home run derby tonight. Juan Soto is going to be a participant. Can't wait for it. Let's get into it. These are the greatest moments in home run derby history. And I don't know necessarily if they're moments. They can be moments. They could be performances. Whatever you want to call them. But let's start off. 
with a guy who is on the Giants now. Originally was with the Dodgers when this took place, but we go back to 2019 to the semifinal with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Jock Peterson. There's two. Look at how into it Vlad Guerrero playing to the crowd. Oh, man. This guy has it. Yes, he does. The embrace from Guerrero Jr. What a show. We've never seen a swing-off, let alone two of them. So it came down to two swing-offs. You had three swings each, and they were tied after the first round. And then in the second, Vlad Guerrero Jr. ended up getting the best of Jock Peterson. But Pete Alonso would go on to win the derby. But Guerrero Jr. versus Jock Peterson in the semifinal, that was the highlight. All right, let's go back to 2005. And this one was one of the most memorable for me because I think this actually caused a shift within the home run derby and having the stars participate. I go back to 2005 when Bobby Abreu was just setting nonstop records with a total of 41 home runs to go on to win it. Long shot to right center. Back it goes. More Venezuelan flag waving. Wow. Wow. And one will get down. Hoyts gave it his best. But Bobby Abreu will be the winner of the 2005 Century 21 Home Run Derby. Bobby Abreu versus Pudge Rodriguez in the final round. Bobby Abreu with 11 Home runs in the final round, that set a record. 24 in the first round, that set a record leading up to that time as well. But what's most memorable about it for me is uh, I remember back in 2005, Bobby Abreu had 18 home runs prior to the All-Star break. Then after the All-Star break, he hit six after winning that home run derby. Then after that, stars were just unwilling to participate Ever because they were afraid that it was going to ruin their swing because they feel like that's what happened with Bobby Abreu back in 2005. But I remember that one. It's so cool looking back on that. They were in celebration, they had like a young Miguel Cabrera, Johan Santana. I think Johan was with the uh, uh, Johan was with the Mets by that time, or he could have been with the Twins. But it was just so cool looking back at the mid 2000s home run derbies and going back and watching all of these. And you know what's really cool? going back to 1993 and seeing the greatest swing of all time hit one to the warehouses in Camden Yards. (laughs) Holy cow. That's four and a half. That may have hit the warehouse and they announced it did. may have damaged the warehouse. Juan Gonzalez won it all, but you had Barry Bonds, Bobby Bonilla, Cecil Fielder, Albert Bell, David Justice, and Mike Piazza in 1993, and Griffey wasn't done in 1999. He outlasted Jeremy Burnett's in the final round. 
hitting three home runs compared to Bernitz's two in 1999. But it's just so cool at Fenway Park. And in 99, that's when Ted Williams got elected to the all-century team. So just a special weekend at Fenway Park during that home run derby. But Ken Griffey, Jeremy Bernitz, Mark McGuire, Jeff Bagwell, Larry Walker, Nomar Garciaparra, BJ Surhoff, Sean Green, Sammy Sosa, John Jaha, A's legend. Wow, 1999. What a time. All right, this is the final one, and I'm going to get out of here because I went a little late to the home run derby. But Josh Hamilton, 2008, he was an absolute stud and a star in that league, and that story was just awesome coming back from all of the addiction problems that he'd had and hitting 28, setting a record in the first round. Well, to the deepest part of the park. Yeah. Goodness gracious! 28 homers! Oh, man. Texas Clay Council. Gold balls running the other way. But I like his chances on getting to the finals. But unfortunately, he would go on to lose that home run derby to Justin Morneau. Uh, But I like the timed home run derbies personally. I know the format with the outs, the 10 outs. It gave the players, you know, time to rest and, you know, it had that spectacle and and it really focused on the home run. But, you know, it's a give and take situation because, on the other hand, these home run derbies, ever since they made the shift in the format in 2015 to it being timed and going uh, round by round, I've personally enjoyed it a lot more just because of the competition. So it's a give-and-take situation. You can't appreciate the home runs as much as you could back in that 10-out format, but the timed format, I think it makes for a great time. And then, you know, you always have something. I mean, Vlad Guerrero versus Jock, Bryce Harper in 2018, winning it with 30 seconds uh, on the clock, and he needed just one more homer, doing it at Nationals Park. Uh, Pete Alonso and what he's done, just some awesome, awesome moments in the Home Run Derby. And it's fun to go back down memory lane and check out some of those highlights. If you have a chance, I recommend you do so. All right. Bonte Hill, Joe the Butcher Boy Shasky, they're coming up next. Enjoy the Home Run Derby tonight. You got me and producer Sam Lubman behind the glass up until 9 o'clock. And as always, go sports. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.